Very good morning. It is Money Talk with James Ross. It's 16 minutes past eight and uh, time to welcome our guests to the party. Uh, let's say hello and good morning to uh, Barry Wood, who is RTHK's international economics correspondent, and also to Stuart Oldcroft, Asian fund management industry consultant. Uh, good morning to you both. Good morning. Good morning, James. Good morning, James. Good morning, Stuart. Nice to have All you. Right. Nice to have you on the show, as ever, on a Wednesday. And I guess let's start with uh, Janet Yellen's remarks. Um, Barry, do we think that uh, those remarks are going to go some way to assuage concerns about the state of uh, the banks in the U.S.? Yes. She was responding, of course, to the relative calm that had been in the market over let's say, Monday and Tuesday morning when she made the remarks, because things have gotten better. You know, she didn't say anything, and it was rather deliberate through the weekend and on Monday. But now, when things were better, and you mentioned, James, that uh, this First Republic Bank based in San Francisco, which is the 14th biggest bank in the U.S., that uh, their share price bounced back a bit. Mm. So... There's clearly an improvement. And when Miss Yellen says that the situation is stabilizing and that we are resolute in our commitment to help if there's further need, I think that's uh, that's been positively received. Are you confirm? Are you, um, you think that's the case, uh, Stuart? Uh... Yes, I do. And I think um, it's, what I find interesting is that um, Ms. Yellen's views are taken much more seriously than for Jed Powell, for example. So um, Mr. Powell, who is uh, head of the Federal Reserve and has a very powerful position, um, seems to not be getting the same level of respect as Janet Yellen. And that's, uh, well, perhaps because she did that job previously, but uh, is Treasury She has a bit more now. experience, maybe, do you think? Yes, I think so. And, and I think, but when they, when they both say the same thing and are in lockstep, then that can be a very powerful um, message being put across. And I think that's probably where we are right now. But what do you think? I mean, if we open the hood and look inside, do you, do you think there's more stuff down there that's going to pop up any day now? Well, of course, there's possible. That is entirely possible. And um, uh, I'm sure that is what their biggest concern is. But they've made very clear that they're there to protect the um, small, small investor, the small uh, consumer, the small depositor of these banks. And if, those, if, if there are any more banks, they want them to come out now and they want them to come out as soon as possible so we can get through this banking crisis and move on it's not time to pat ourselves on the back yet i think uh, barry but do you think that uh, lessons have been learned from past banking crises in this case that's a tough one i'm not sure <laughs> i'm not sure at all <laughs> you know uh, Stuart is right that jay powell has not spoken at all about the financial problems that have been ongoing now for a couple weeks and he will, of course, within the next 24 hours because he has a press conference. And uh, I think that it's a very interesting and open question whether the Federal Reserve will raise interest rates by 25 basis points or whether they will stand still and not do anything. It's very interesting to hear the bankers speak. They want a pause. And 
the investment community generally wants a pause and the business community wants a pause. And yet, I think that uh, there's evidence, and you mentioned that 87% showing the people in the investment community, mm. despite wanting a pause, think that they're not going to get it. So, yeah, I think uh, something has been learned, but uh, the Federal Reserve and the Treasury and the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation so far have been able to contain this problem, and, um, but it's not over. Yeah, and Barry, we were talking last week about the possibility of a pause in, in interest rate rises, but we didn't even know at that point that Credit Suisse were going to be going into all sorts of trouble. So, you know, it's an interesting situation that it, the whole thing has happened so quickly and been dealt with so quickly. Actually, that's rather impressive. And uh, it, it shows I agree. that the world is, is, is better prepared for these things. I think, um, Stuart, last week we, you know, when we talked about this, we, we felt that the Credit Suisse thing coming along would actually stop uh, Jerome Powell uh, raising interest rates. But if 86% of traders are thinking that's not the case, um, you know, maybe something's changed? Well, I think the thing is, if he does raise rates, the Fed will be seen to be having maximum confidence in their ability to control the situation. And that might be a good thing. Yeah, I agree with that, Stuart. I think that would uh, probably be regarded as a very positive move. On yeah. the other hand, <laughs> no, on the, on other, the hand. other hand, there is this um, chorus of people who say, hold it. You've got dozens of banks that are vulnerable. They just they have the same kind of loan portfolio as Silicon Valley Bank or First Republic. And if you keep tightening, you're one, going to cause them more trouble. And secondly, and this is a growing chorus, you're going to slow the economy because the economy has suddenly become more fragile because of the banking problem. And if you raise interest rates, that means home prices, getting a mortgage is more expensive, buying a car is more expensive on time. So it is a delicate balance. And I'm pretty sure that the Fed and its open market committee have already come to their conclusion of what they're going to do. But that's an ironclad secret until 2 p.m. Washington time on Wednesday. Well, I guess we'll wait with uh, interest to see what uh, what that brings. I mean, Credit Suisse obviously has had a, had a very uh, bumpy week. And, uh, you know, I, I guess it's uh, there's a lot to find out about what's going to happen there. I think we heard overnight that maybe some of the bankers' bonuses were in doubt. Well, surprise, surprise, one might say. And uh, it seems that the Credit Suisse conference that's going on here in Hong Kong is pressing on regardless. Stuart, that seems a bit strange, don't you think? Well, they probably paid the money for it, so you know, let's let it go. <laughs> That's right, Stuart. <laughs> well, I think we were, we, we were joking in the office earlier on that they've uh, you know paid for the buffet and they don't want to waste it. So. Yes, well, quite. I mean, they're not going to give it away, are they? Really, these one people. Um, no, I mean, this is uh, the, the, their last effort. I can't see them. <coughs> I can't see UBS necessarily repeating it because it's a, theirs is a very different business model for future years. Um, yes, they're they're out there. They're having their parties and they're, they're, and basically probably having their goodbye parties. The last hurrah, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> and um, and you know why not? I suppose it's the, the end of an era for all of them. 
Um, many yes, of it the is, people attending will probably no doubt be pressing their uh, resumes onto those that they're talking to and making That's sure right. that they've got their, their name cards mm. uh, with their personal mobile phones written down so that uh, they can receive the calls. It's a very rocky world, isn't it, Stuart, when you're <laughs> in this investment banking uh, community? You know, when you're thrown out of a job, will you get another one? It's, it's, it's very highs and lows, isn't it? Well, it is, yes. It is. Um, bear in mind, though, yeah, that, look. I mean, that, that there's a big demand. There's a big demand still in Hong Kong for people with private banking experience. The demand is not so big for those with investment banking experience. And, and this Credit Suisse conference is primarily for its investment banking business. Mm. So, so the attendees... Um, well, they are. I mean, the, the attendees as guests of the event are the prime target of the Credit Suisse bankers as hosts to possibly get a job from. Barry? James, I, I was going to add that this is going, these two developments, the, this, the, the merger in Switzerland, uh, Credit Suisse with, with the bigger bank, uh, uh, that is going to depress the Swiss economy. Think of every small town and big city in Switzerland mm. has automatic teller machines from both institutions. Well, half of those will probably close. That's going to depress the Swiss economy, not that that really matters, except Swiss banking is very important for Europe as a whole. Secondly, to go back to San Francisco, you're going to see a decrease in venture capital funding because that's what Silicon Valley Bank did. And a lot of the people who were owning shares of Silicon Valley Bank, they've lost their money. And that's going to depress business activity, I think, in the Silicon Valley generally. Now, let's turn to China before we uh, stop our discussion. Obviously, uh, President Xi is uh, currently in Moscow and lots of economic announcements. Uh, Stuart, do you think uh, that uh, some of those initiatives that are being uh, put there by uh, President Xi are going to generate uh, big economic growth uh, going forward? Not necessarily. I don't think it's economic growth that has been the focus. Um, I think the, 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 the couple of areas where the focus has been uh, put, one is to ensure China has a ready supply of, uh, of energy, uh, so oil and gas from Russia. Mm -hmm. China has taken off um, or taken from Russia what would have otherwise been supplied to the West. And, and China is already reducing the supplies it gets from other places. Um, and secondly, uh, China con considers um, Russia as being a sort of an outlet for its technology and for its other um, manufacturing services, and that will probably continue. But the primary focus would appear still to be a discussion between Putin and President Xi on Ukraine, whether there's anything to be done, well, whether they can do anything. Because at the end of the day, um, this is an opportunity, could be an opportunity for President Xi to demonstrate he is a global statesman, to demonstrate that he is capable of, of creating peace. Now, the one thing I would, would add to all of that, and Barry, I'm sure, will have something to say, but if after President Xi has returned to Beijing, we suddenly see um, an increase in Russian rockets fired into Ukraine, then I would suggest that that probably would demonstrate President Xi has failed in his mission to try to bring about peace. Barry, how is the U.S. eyeing uh, this visit to Moscow? With great distress. 
great distress. And, and it's, uh, you know, the, the Chinese peace program has been rejected uh, by the Americans. I would differ with Stuart on the economic links between China and Russia. I think they're going to be greatly strengthened. Russia has oil and gas to sell that they used to sell to Europe. There's going to be a new pipeline that takes some of this Siberian oil and gas into China and also going to India because those are two big buyers. And I think that it's ironic in one sense to hear President Xi say that he is defending the international financial system while he's in, in, in Moscow. But the fact is, the sanctions that the Americans and Europeans have levied against Russian reserves, financial reserves, are unprecedented. So I think it brings these two big countries closer together. Well, we await uh, with interest to see how the rest of that visit plays out. Uh, Thank you very much to uh, Barry Wood, our international economics correspondent in Washington, and also to Stuart Oldcroft, Asian fund management industry consultant. And still.